and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the markets and helps you make smart choices with your investment. These are entirely our own views and that of our guests. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that are happy to chat if you need. I'm Kylie Eigermans. I've been in banking for a very long time. I am a product manager working in the KiwiSaver and investment space. What that really means is that I understand the nuts and bolts of how to make investments work for you. Today, I have stolen the hosting spot off our wonderful senior uh, economist, Christina Brown, and I'll be having a chat with one half of Girls That Invest, a team that are rapidly creating a thriving community of women who are building a better financial future for themselves. So, Sim, I am really excited to have you on the show today. Firstly, because seeing women succeeding and supporting each other just gives me an absolute buzz. Um, but also, there are so many synergies with the work that ASB are doing in this space to help women feel more empowered to have conversations about money and just support their overall financial well-being. Um, so much like you, uh, ASB is dedicated to raising the financial well-being of New Zealanders, simplifying the money conversations, making it not scary, and really just encouraging our customers to have a chat with us, to be better prepared to actually achieve their future money goals. So it's really awesome that you can join me today uh, for my first ever ASB Investment Podcast re recording as the host. So, Sim, welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat and, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a great talk. Oh, awesome. No, it's great to have you here. So, Sim, for our listeners who may not be aware of sort of all of the awesome work that you do do, um, tell us more about, you know, Girls That Invest, um, the early days, and you've got a very impressive rap sheet. So, <laughs> I can see that you are, um, you've been a TEDx speaker, a stock market writer, um, host of an investment masterclass, and founder of the number one stock market um, podcast for women. So, I'm going to hit pause for a minute there and just say, are you incredibly proud of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, very kind. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's blowing up a lot more than we expected. That's all I'll say. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about what this um, journey has been like for you. You know, how, how was Girls That Invest born? And, you know, maybe just talk to us about some of your work. That would be awesome to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the idea kind of came from my own experience when I was learning about the stock market and personal finance. There was a really big gap um, in sort of online communities and even in in-person communities where you could kind of go and talk about these things because for a very long time and probably still to this day, it's not something you talk with your friends about. You don't go, hey, what do you think about this stock? Hey, you know, how much have you saved? So I was seeking a place to have those chats because I really do believe like, that you learn from talking to other people and having conversations. And there was just nowhere online that was doing it um, in a way that I felt comfortable. So there was definitely communities um, for people in general, but they just tended to, for some reason, be more focused on, um, I guess, men and, and then their way of investing, which we'll sort of talk about and is a little bit different to how women tend to invest. So it just came from the idea of, look, there's a community that I wish was around. No one else is kind of making it. I might as well just get up and, and do it myself. Oh, that's fantastic. And yep, I can 
I can definitely resonate um, with that one. And uh, yeah, no, it's very exciting. So, you know, if you sort of think about girls that invest and, you know, you think about what you are setting out to achieve, what would you say the, the main goal for girls that invest is? And, you know, I'd just love to understand a little bit more um, around some of your thoughts with the with the challenges um, that we sort of face into with investing and, and what you're hoping to address. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the biggest thing that we see is that not as many women and minorities are investing compared um, to our male counterparts. And when we look into why, it's not because we don't think we want to invest. It's not because we're too scared to invest. Um, When we did a lot of research and spoke to our community and kind of got out there, the biggest, I guess the number one answer was just the lack of knowledge and lack of information and accessibility to that knowledge. I think accessibility was the biggest um, term used. And so for us, it was, okay, well, how do we get to a world where just as many people of every, you know, gender or every um, as place uh, are investing just as much as the, the others? It just came down to, well, okay, we needed lower barriers for certain groups of people. And so that really just is our mission, making investing as accessible as possible. Doesn't mean everyone needs to invest. Not everyone might be in the right stage of their life to invest but I think everyone should have the opportunity to go when I'm ready where do I find this information how do I get started yeah that's that's really interesting I mean we run um, investor surveys every quarter and you know part of those surveys are actually you know measuring the confidence um, you know in in how we invest and what we're frequently seeing is that you know, women and their knowledge of investing is is far lower than men um, and that they are more likely to be risk averse. But it's kind of interesting what you're you're saying there. Um, and it's, you know, we, we're maybe t- making these moves, not because we're scared, but it is, you know, sort of more around um, that knowledge and accessibility. But I suppose from where I sit, um, what that equals is actually, you know, women are missing out on, valuable investment gains over time. So um, I know here we've got a lot of different ways that we can help customers make sense of everything, but what do you sort of see as the biggest opportunity to to better help women understand their options and align to something more suited to their goal? I think a number of things um, has really helped in our experience with, you know, reaching a lot more people. We um, found that one, having more representation in in that kind of space helps. If you think about, you know, who are the best investors that we know in the world? It is people like Warren Buffett, it is people like, you know, Benjamin Graham, Peter Finch. It's not necessarily a space where you can go, wow, someone that looks like me is doing so well. Maybe this is a space I can be in. So even just having, I think, more you know, like things like this, like a conversation where two women are talking about the stock market, um, you know, ways where you just normalize it and you get more people going, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Because I think a lot of confidence comes from not just, just not seeing people like yourself in, in places. So I think that's step one, but um, yeah, just having more chatter. Um, there was a study done that found that women share information best through talking, through like verbal communication. And so a lot of things that we learn and speak about and get privy to are from the conversations we have with our girlfriends and with our family. And if investing in money is not a conversation that is part of the things that we talk about in general, then there's this whole lump of information that we're missing out on. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. That's, um, that's really, really valuable insight. So, 
You know, I think um, another hurdle that that we sort of face into, you know, as women and, you know, when it comes to investing is actually the uh, gender pay gap, which is uh, a favourite subject of mine. Um, So (laughs) at, at ASB, we strive for pay equality. And we regularly monitor to identify and eliminate those gaps. So we've got a real focus to help with that, um, which is on gender-based leadership. ASB have set a goal of 40% women, 40% men, and 20% any gender um, into leadership roles. Do you think enough is being done by big corporates to sort of help the the gender pay gap and um, also really have more conversations about, you know, overall financial well-being. What what are your thoughts on that? I think like what ASB is doing is such a great step, you know, in the right direction and having a target and having like an open and transparent, um, you know, way of discussing that, you know, this is where we're sitting at, this is our goal, this is how we're getting there. I think a lot of corporates could probably follow suit because at least you know steps are being taken and a lot of the conversations we have in our podcast and with our community um, is more from the side of you know the employees and and how they feel and what they can do um, to kind of champion themselves into feeling confident to have conversations with their employers because a lot of times we'll see people go look I want to ask for a pay rise but I one have no idea how much to ask and two just don't even know how you have these conversations you know a lot of these women are in the first couple of years of um, their careers and it's not like they've done this you know very often and so we often um, try and find ways to teach them, explain to them, give them the resources that they can take away and implement in their own um, careers. For example, you know, the idea of when you get good feedback from a client or an email, star it and put it in a separate folder. And then when it comes to the time when you do have discussions about how you've done, you've got some almost like receipts, you know, that you could say that you can pull up and go, hey, X, Y, Z is what I've done. This is what I think the market rate is for my work. Um, so from what that side, it's about getting women to feel more comfortable to ask. And then from the corporate side, um, you know, what can we do as corporations to um, help, you know, from the other angle? Um, I think it's just transparency and, and saying this is where we're at. This is where we want to go. And these are the steps that we're going to take to get there. Yeah, no, that's um, that's awesome, and I and I can definitely, um, you know, I've seen it, uh, you know, within even our own industry, just that confidence to ask, um, and really, I suppose, recognise your value, um, you know, and 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 really put your hand up to say, hey, look, you know, this is me. I, I am worth just as much. Um, so that's, I think it's fantastic that you're actually helping um, women with that. So if we were to sort of dive into the subject um, a little bit more. You know, we have seen research that we are, um, you know, still sitting at a at a nine point one percent gender pay gap. And um, but when it comes to financial literacy or overall financial well being, what we see is that women actually have better financial well being than men. Um, so we tend to spend less and save more. I, I believe my husband would firmly disagree with that. <laughs> um, but if I look back to twenty year old Kylie, uh, then yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, really good savings habits was something that I was quite excited about. So, um, Sim, from listening to to your podcasts, um, in particular, how you got into your first home, 
You talk about something called value-based spending, um, which when I sort of look at it from a banking perspective, and we talk about all these scary words like budgeting and, um, you know, you know sacrificing. Um, but when you talked about value, uh, value-based value spending, that really spoke to me. And I think it speaks to the stat around, you know, why women um, are better with the everyday financial well-being. So would you like to talk a little bit more about that concept and just sort of how that fed into you being able to um, achieve some of your investment goals, you know, from a young age? Yeah, I think um, I grew up like how most Kiwis grew up where the idea of budgeting just kind of made you roll your eyes and you go, you know, it sounds very um, not fun, not like something I want to spend my afternoon <laughs> doing. Um, and, and, so, <laughs> and so then I was kind of introduced to this idea from a friend called value-based spending and it just changed my life completely. And so I'll try to break it down very simply. It's the idea of instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to deprive myself of everything and I am just going to never go out and eat out. I'm never going to go and spend money on, you know, the hobbies that I have. You know, for me, I love skincare and that's not a cheap hobby to have. But it's about finding a few things that are important to you and saying, well, what's my value? Um, what do I value rather? And only spending in that space and sort of letting go of everything else. A lot of people like to start this by, you know, printing out their statements from the last month, which is always confronting and looking at everything that they've spent and kind of going, does this align with my values? If, for example, you say, I really value buying a home. I want to be a homeowner one day. You want to look at your spending and go, well, does my spending align with my value? Does this look like someone that is trying to save up for a home? Or does this look like someone that's maybe enjoying life in the moment a little bit more? And that's okay, but it just means finding a balance where your actions are lining up with your values. And so for me, um, that meant cutting down on a lot of things, but holding on to a few things that I do value. So I do want to buy a home, but I also want to eat out once a week if I can, or at least doing other things where I'm still enjoying my life. And so I'm still living somewhat in the present, but I'm also taking care of future Sim and making sure she's going to be okay and that she can be a homeowner one day. And it just completely changed how I looked at budgeting and I always recommend it. Oh, that is very cool. And how long did it sort of take you to to be able to achieve that home ownership dream? It was, um, I was very lucky. I got um, sort of started in saving around the start of 2020. And as we all know, COVID hit, which wasn't so lucky. But a lot of my investments, I thanks to, you know, my financial education and, and background, I was able to pour into the market, um, kind of knowing that things would bounce back. And so my goal was to save up over two years to buy, you know, a very modest home, um, but I was able to do it in a year and a half. And so by uh, sort of oh, a year and a bit, so by March, 2021, I had bought my first home. That is so cool. And tell me, I mean, I was a, a young homeowner as well. Has the experience changed for women um, out there trying to achieve these things on their own? I know that um, it took me about six real estate agents to get taken seriously. Um, yeah, I realized the um, magic word was, hi, I have a pre-approval. I think that really <laughs> how people uh, viewed me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing to be able to say that I could save up and purchase a home without parental help because I think that's a um, you know a big 
what if or, or question that people have. It's not easy to do. I can't say it's, you know, the average story of everyone, but I think it's a, a good example of, look, it can happen. It might not be in the city that you want it to. It might not be the, the kind of home that you want to begin with, um, but it's a start. And yeah, it was definitely a fun experience trying to um, talk to real estate agents on my own. I remember one of them asked what I thought a home was worth and I told her and she gasped because it was such a ridiculous <laughs> offer. Um, <laughs> but that's how you learn and, and you kind of keep going that way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I can remember actually looking at one that was about, I don't know, half a half a K up from the beach. And um, I phoned and said, how much is this property? And uh, she said, too much for you, dear, um, <laughs> which is which is great. Now, that lady is still around. I can't wait till the day that I can actually buy one on the beach. And, I'll, and I'm going to engage her and say, hey, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> hey, but no, that's awesome. And and I think it's incredibly powerful that, you know, you've taken that knowledge, um, you know, that you've, you've self-taught and that you're now, you know, imparting on other people to actually achieve those goals. So it's fantastic. But, you know, if we bring come back to that sort of, um, you know, that gender pay gap, I think where it's really having a, a big impact that I see is, um, you know, it is hitting females in the pocket um, when it comes to investing. And there's a few things that we've sort of, um, covered off here uh, that that feed into that but you know by the time women are sort of in their 40s and 50s um, a recent study that I've looked at um, actually really highlights that gap so we're sort of you know about um, 30% lower so when we're looking at the average KiwiSaver balance you know the, in your 40s and your 50s that average balance is around um, 30% lower for women than it is for men. Now, I know that there's a load of things that actually feed into that, um, but, you know, lower pay and just that less, you know, less appetite for risk and investing really sort of highlights that gap. So, you know, if I was to say based on all the conversations that you've had, you know, I think you've sort of talked about the knowledge. Is there anything else, you know, what do you think that, that main reason is that is holding women back from investing or seeking that knowledge. It's such an interesting um, topic. And just uh, sort of to go back about what you were saying with the 30%, you know, someone might listen in and go, oh, 30% is not that bad. But you're also talking about women who live longer. So not only mm -hmm. do we have less, it's like less to last a longer period of time. So it's a really a lose-lose, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. It absolutely is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of, um, you know, what we can do or what's holding women back, we often like to, you know, go into the community and ask women and, and sort of hold surveys and polls um, with our um, listeners. And it really just is two things, the knowledge um, and, of course, the lack of capital to begin with. You know, one Thing that I noticed growing up. So I was, um, before I was in finance, I was in a completely different field. And so I was surrounded with a lot of healthcare workers, so optometrists, pharmacists, doctors. Um, and we were all young studying into um, these spaces. And so these were women who I would say were very highly educated, um, had some of the best education in the country. And yet, and were you know going to be earning like very good salaries once they began, and yet there was no financial literacy among any of them, um, because there's just no space in our education system for that kind of stuff. And so, even if you've got people that are meant to kind of be 
doing the best for their age and yet having no access to financial literacy. It makes you wonder what's going on, you know, on the other end of the spectrum where people don't have the privilege of good schooling and education and good careers. So I think the knowledge gap and the financial literacy gap is probably one of the biggest things that we're seeing. Um, And the second being, of course, you know, this, the fact that we've got the wage gap, women to expect them to be investing just as much or even more when they're earning less um, is really hard. But as, as you mentioned, that ASB survey had a look and found that despite earning less, we actually save more. So mm. it goes to show. So you can sort of, uh, you know, just make really good choices to to sort of supplement that. Absolutely. And what do you, like, how do we solve the problem? You know, so if I think about what you're sort of saying there, it, it really stems right back. Um, you know, we, we go right back to sort of, you know, where do you start this conversation? Is it at schools that, that more focus needs to go on? Or, you know, is it, um, you know, within the, the sort of the tertiary education? What Where do you see, you know, sort of that solve? And I don't know, like what, have you got any, any great tips or is there any <laughs> great work that um, girls that invest are actually doing in that space at the moment? I think definitely going back to schools and going back to where, um, you know, we're our most impressionable and we're still kind of learning about the world. Um, people think that children or young adults, young teens, you know, don't have the capacity to understand these things. But you can absolutely explain the stock market to a five-year-old if you can explain it well. And it's just about getting, um, yeah, just getting into schools, making sure that from the beginning people are aware that this is what these basic foundations are. Even things like getting a mortgage or understanding how a home loan works, they're not topics most people get um, taught until it's time to apply for a mortgage and apply for a loan. And I think for a lot of people, they just assume they can't do it. You know, I had a friend of mine who just thought she'd never own a home. And by the time by the time I sort of sat her down with her partner and I was like, look, you both have KiwiSavers. You've both got a little bit saved up and you're both working. You know, if you crunch the numbers you could buy a home in three years quite easily and and now they're on their way to purchase and so it's just the the knowledge that we need to just get out there and and how we do it I think definitely getting into schools but also things like girls that invest you know we have this podcast that we're sending out to the world um, to get people to talk about these things and understand them and then have those conversations with their own friends and family. Um, I think it's just, you know, one of the things that we can do to, to get to that goal a lot quicker. Oh, that's, it's just awesome. So look, while we're on the subject, I mean, I've got, you know, a lot of questions here to ask you, um, but while we're on the subject of girls that invest and, you know, the, the work that you are doing, um, I know that you have got a, a new book out, um, your latest book, um, which is a step-by-step guide to financial independence. And um, something I really loved about the, you know, sort of the, the flavor of the book is that you're talking about, you know, money providing freedom. Um, the freedom to say yes or no, the freedom to handle challenges, um, what does life throw at you, um, how do you grow and prosper. So, I mean, I find that incredibly inspiring. Um, and you have talked to your book and some of your podcasts. So do you want to talk us through a little bit more around that and then maybe a little bit more around what Girls That Invest has on the runway, um, you know, to you know, sort of get out there and, and talk more? 
Yeah, the book is um, a great resource that we're we're so excited to put out. When we got pitched the idea, I thought it was a spam email. I thought there's no way that, you know, a publisher wants to write a book with us. But I, I guess it came from just the need to have something out there where investing can be broken down. You know, the book's made for anyone that's never even heard of investing or heard of us Um just to be able to go through from start to end and, you know, by the end be like, you know what, that was actually really simple stuff that there was no need for me to be so scared about investing and scared about money. Cause I think there's a lot of fear around it. A lot of, you know, jargon terms that when you're in the industry, it's, you know, it's second nature, but for the average person, things like capital, things like asset class, um, they're not words that are used every day. And so they can come across a, a, a certain kind of way. So it's just about breaking that down. And, and yeah, I'm very excited. It's um, just been on pre-sale and it's been doing amazing. So we're very excited to see what happens. That is very cool. And I, again, you know, I love what you're saying there. Um, you know, I've obviously been in banking for a long time, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, but more particularly in the investment space, you know, over the last five years. And I can still sit in meetings and not understand a lot of the terminology or jargon um, that's been used. And I know that that's a big part of our mission. Um, as we said, like, just break it down, make it not scary. So, um, you know, if I was to sort of say, like, you know, what are some of your absolute top tips um, for those that are hesitant to take the first step, especially? Especially if we look at our, um, you know, our current environment. So we're we're facing into quite a few challenges. Um, we've got our KiwiSaver is something that many people will, will resonate with, um, particularly if it is their main investment. We've got balance, balances sort of jumping up and down like a yo-yo. Um, you know, we've got, you know, a third of our customer base that are living payday to payday um, and, you know, the same amount with less than $1,000 in savings. So what are your top tips um, for those that are scared to take that first step? I think a really good place to start is sort of walking before you run. A lot of, you know, people might go, well, how do I make my first investment? How do I begin? Um, and I think you almost want to take a step back and make sure that you've got your financial foundation um, sorted. Like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people living a paycheck to paycheck and living in this space where you almost don't want to start investing if that's where you're at. You want to learn about how can I grow an emergency fund? You know, that's often step one and an emergency fund is maybe three months of your rent or your mortgage, your living expenses, saved up an account, um, just a savings account. Um, and, and that's a good place to start because you don't want to be investing and then your car breaks down and you have to pull money out of your investments to go pay for that. So that's often step one um, or the first tip. And then the second is actually having a look at your KiwiSaver because if you can understand what your KiwiSaver is doing, you're going to be able to understand the stock market so much more easily because it's very much um, on par. You know, you're investing a certain amount every single week or paycheck and there's different ranges of risk that you can take on. If you're listening and you don't know what KiwiSaver provider you're with or what account you've got or even how to check it, um, you know, I really encourage you to take one step today after listening to this and actually going to your provider or just going to your bank and going, who am I with? Because I don't know. And I want to learn. Um, and you might realize that everything's perfect. And you know, that's one less thing to worry about. Or you might realize that 
you know, there are some changes you want to make. Yeah, I mean, the, the guidance that is out there in the KiwiSaver space, um, by, if, if I could just get everybody to sit down and just pay a little bit of attention to what they're doing, it would be like my dream. So I love what you're saying there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what your, you know, your bank's there for. I think people forget that they're there to help you. It's not just a one-way relationship where you put money in and take money out. There, there are people on the other side that are re- ready to chat with you and they're always around. So definitely make use of that too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, like I know with our with our own um, sort of guidance platforms, you know, it is not scary. It's actually incredibly cool. Um, you know, once people sit down and sort of go through that journey, they love it, um, and they just come out feeling so much more empowered, which is exactly what we what we want. Just making great decisions. So, you know, fully agree. Cool. Absolutely. Um, so, some, I mean, final words over to you. I think you girls are doing an amazing job um, at getting out there and just empowering other women um, to do great things. Um, and it's not just the women, you know, it's the guys too. Um, hopefully, I think, you know, something that you've said is that, you know, we all learn a lot through conversations. So, um, the more that we educate, the more that we talk and, you know, sometimes the guys are hovering in the background and, and they might pick up some really cool tips too. So, um, look, it's been absolutely awesome having you on today. Is there any final words from you um, that you would like to sort of bring up or discuss? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, if there's one thing I want people to take away from this chat is that there is so much that we can all learn from each other. And, and you'll be surprised, you know, the whole purpose of Girls That Invest is to encourage people to have conversations at home. You know, ask your parents how much they make, ask them what they've invested in, ask them where their KiwiSaver is. I think more people want to talk about money than we want to show and especially in our culture you know kiwi culture we don't want to be too um pervy we also don't want to you know, we want to be humble and, and not share but at the same time what i've seen is that everyone kind of wants to talk about money but no one really wants to be the first one so if you go out there and you're the first just to say hey look can we have this chat with your friend your family anyone your partner um i think that's just you know this a step in the right direction brilliant All right. So with that, we will um, call it a day. But yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us and keep up the awesome work. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or if there's anything that you'd like us to discuss on a future show, get in touch at podcast at asb.co.nz. Congratulations on making it this far through today's podcast. Now we're going to cover off some of the disclaimers and detail for the data that we have talked about today. Gender pay gap data as at May 2021 has been sourced from Statistics New Zealand Gender and Ethnic Pay Gaps, Stats NZ Action Plan 2021-2022. KiwiSaver savings data sourced from a commissioned Melville Jessup Weaver data survey for Te Ara Ahunga Order Retirement Commission. New data reveals for the first time largest breakdown of KiwiSaver balances across all ages and genders. 
ASB's financial wellbeing research was developed in collaboration with the Melbourne Institute Applied Economic and Social Research. This data is based on nearly 600,000 New Zealand adults that have their main bank relationship with ASB and looks at data for the 12-month period to April 2022.